We've been sharing in the Dharma for some years now, and there have for sure been some challenging moments. The United States is not a country with Buddhism on every street corner, and some come to the Dharma very much rooted in their own ideas and beliefs, unwilling to do much more than listen and see how the Buddha's teachings might prop up their own deeply held notions. Some students understand how to cultivate awareness, mindfulness, and ways to practice, but don't really bother. Others don't know how, nor do they care to find out. And then there are those who come to the Dharma curious, but full of doubt, instinctively skeptical, as if allowing their mind to open and explore new perspectives is something to fear and distrust. Everyone wants to be happier, experience less suffering, and be well thought of and loved. But so many seem truly disinterested, or perhaps afraid, to open up and walk the path that leads to identifying and overcoming the obstacles that prevent those beneficial states of mind from manifesting. Some time ago, we held a retreat in Gainesville, Florida, during which we engaged in an assortment of activities from calm abiding meditations to practice visualizations and chanting the Chenrizik and Vajrasattva mantras. All our activities were done in union with a shared reading of Padampa Sanghi's 12th century text, The 100 Verses of Advice. As we worked our way through these pithy verses, which were composed and delivered by Padampa to his people of Tingri, a Tibetan town in the Everest region, we were repeatedly reminded of the profound preciousness of human life, the beyond imagination capabilities of our minds, and the virtuous wholesomeness of the Mahayana path. Sometimes when we read or hear something, especially during teachings when so much is being discussed, we let it rest on our mind for a few moments without the opportunity to allow it to penetrate for reflection. During this retreat, and not to allow our Dharma appreciations to slip by without due consideration, I posed a question to the group. If you could receive $10 million to forget all the Dharma you've ever learned and experienced, all your insights about karma and impermanence, emptiness and compassion, your understandings about the workings of your mind, your experiences of meditative knowledge and peace, all of it, every bit, and by so doing, slip back into the mind, including the perspectives, lack of self-knowledge, insights, friendships, etc., that you had before first encountering the Dharma, would you do it? And I ask you, dear listener, to consider, would you? Very few, if any, of our students are independently wealthy. Everyone has worked for a living. Many are retired and on fixed income. Needless to say, $10 million is a lot of money. It would buy many things, enable much, solve many hardships and problems. So there it is, instant wealth, simply by walking away with no Dharma recollections, no recall, no Dharma clarity or insights or remembered experiences, no familiarity. Pretty dramatic. $10 million in hard cash at the moment, here and now, to forget the Buddha, Dharma, and Sangha, to leave it all behind, to have no trace in the mind, 
no memory of its existence. There were smiles on thoughtful faces, and then, in their own way, each and every person shook their head no. They would not revert to the unknowing, the unawareness. Their enriched minds, adorned by travels and experiences on and of the path, are too precious, too valuable, too dear, not for sale, even for $10 million or, by inference, any price. One after another, no deal. As we let that sit for a while, an ambience of satisfied appreciation spread, and then I asked the hard question. If each of us considers our mind to be so precious, if our acquired Dharma richness is so unquestionably more dear to us than instant wealth, why do we not practice with more diligence? Why do we engage in the self-cherishing intentions and behaviors, not intentionally evil or harmful, of course, that set the mind back, defile and complicate it, creating obstructive karmic seeds and occurrences? Why do we infuse our minds with hours of manipulative, agitating television each night and not treat those in our life with the deepening patience, generosity, love, and joyful enthusiasm our health-seeking mind yearns to manifest and is increasingly ready to give rise to? Why do we continue to so instinctively consider ourselves to be more special more deserving and more important than others? Why do we waste so much time allowing fertile dharma opportunities to pass by as meaningless, unfulfilled moments? If experiencing the wisdom and compassion of our mind is so valuable to us, $10 million worth, why are we so lazy doing things that, as dharma students, we're acutely aware create harm and difficulty, that contaminate and pollute our evolving minds and obstruct the manifestly enhanced states and qualities of being that we value so highly. When it comes to study and our practice, many of us use the excuse, there's no time, our days are so busy, there's so many things, so much work to do, simply no time to formally dedicate to Dharma. Myself is simply too busy. As if dharma is something we do only when time permits, when there's nothing else going on. Considering the high value many people put on dharmatizing our lives in relation to the conscious effort made to actually achieve it, there's a clear disconnect here. Perhaps for some, the dharma mind is really just another aspect of self-centeredness, a high-regarding aspect of me a self-identity that I treasure and don't want to lose because I like how it makes me feel. If this resonates for you, don't fret. This is quite normal for those in the beginning phases of their Dharma experiences and may manifest for years. Be honest, see it, and work with it. Or perhaps you see your mind's emerging beauty, clarity, and strength as tools not just for your own benefit, but for that of others. Please check up and see where you come out on this. Consider, practicing Dharma is just like breathing. While working, we breathe. While sleeping, we breathe. While sitting down and eating and 
making love, we breathe. We have time to breathe due to the necessity and importance of our breath and really have no choice not to. In the same way, considering the profound importance and preciousness of our mind and the vastly beneficial impact Dharma practice has on every aspect of our life, perhaps we will find the will and the time to practice and engage accordingly. Our practice provides experience that infuses our mind with boundless wealth. The Buddha didn't praise those who merely acquired material objects or the opinions of others. He praised those who endeavored to know within themselves. Spend some time, investigate this. I believe it's likely that if forced to choose between the two, Dharma wealth versus extreme material wealth, even at $10 million, the depth of cultivating and abiding in the awakening mind will win out. It's a wonderful exercise. Dig into it and once done, and depending on which direction your karma propels you, follow your intuitive voice. This recording, The $10 Million Question, was written by Mark Winwood and included in his 2016 collection of writings, Am Stopping My Finger Now, Tibetan Buddhist Musings for Western Life. Mark, that's me, is the founder of the Chen Rizik Project, a Tibetan Buddhist study and practice group currently resident in Washington State and with a national online presence. You can learn more about the Chen Rizik Project at our website, www.chenrizikproject.org. That's C-H-E-N-R-E-Z-I-G project.org. Today's music, titled Fabiana, was composed and performed by the San Francisco Bay Area musician Bobby Vega. It appears on his album, Matters of the Heart. More about Bobby and his music at his website, www.bobbyvega.com. That's B-O-B-B-Y-V-E-G-A.com. Or, as he's very findable online, you can simply Google his name or look for his numerous videos on YouTube. We remain grateful to Bobby for his friendship, his talents, and his generosity. Thank you for listening.